This is the Rocky Mountain Review. I'm J.D. Layton. I'm Emily Moshek. Only on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. And welcome to the Rocky Mountain Review. I am J.D. Layton, and we have a special interview with Monica White and Dr. Heather Zerlong on tick awareness. So you, you mentioned that tick bites are on the rise. Why is that? There's a couple of theories, um, but some of them are, 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 are almost common sense in that we have um, uh, environmental changes uh, in the case of potentially global warming, and then you have human encroachment in particular environments where humans weren't living before, um, so you have more encounters that way. And then you have a host of um, what we call reservoirs, which are typically small mammals and um, deer populations that migrate. And so you have those changes in populations as well. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so Coloradans are often high risk for tick-borne illnesses. Do you think that's just the nature of the area? It's more tick-friendly or just a different type of nature of Coloradans in general? Um, you know, I, I have a theory. Is, you know, a lot of people that that live in Colorado, we're here for a reason. Um, you know, people that were born and raised here, a, a lot of folks live rurally, uh, grew up hunting and fishing and camping and hiking. Um, a lot of people that are imports um, from other states, like myself, um, came here for the wildness of Colorado and love the outdoors. Um, and we're also travelers. And so, uh, you know, a lot of people get exposed, maybe not here in Colorado, but elsewhere, and then come back to Colorado without any um, awareness of what they may have been exposed to. So um, there's the inherent activity of, of an active lifestyle and an outdoors lifestyle that many Coloradans um, practice, and then the element of travel and, and people going to new places and, and just not realizing the risks when they're um, recreating or, or even just visiting in somebody's backyard and in other areas of the country or the world. Mm -hmm. So with all of these kind of factors that can put us at risk for this, what are your tips um, for prevention with tick bites and getting a tick-borne illness? Yes. Um, one, you know, a, a lesson I learned the hard way, uh, prevention um, is so important. Um, it's the one, the one thing that you can do to, to really avoid a tick bite altogether if possible. Um, wearing permethrin-treated clothing. Um, boots and gear, the permethrin actually kills the ticks on contact. So it's, it works even more strongly than a repellent. It actually kills the ticks when they come in contact with permethrin-treated clothing or gear. Um, using repellents um, on your exposed skin, but, but repellents that are specifically labeled to kill against ticks, because not all repellents are created equal, um, making sure they're, they're really targeted towards ticks for that level of protection that you need. Um, little things like wearing light-colored clothing, uh, wearing long pants and, and long sleeve shirts, tucking your shirt into your pants, um, tucking your pants into your socks, although it's not a fashion statement. Um, it, or it could be a fashion statement. It, it really <laughs> does let the, the, um, 
the person detect a tick on their body before the tick can can get to skin and and get a bite. Um, staying to the center of hiking trails and avoiding um, more likely tick habitat like shrubs and tall grasses along trails. Um, ticks can actually detect um, heat and CO2 and vibrations and for the passively questing ticks, they'll actually hang out on the edge of the trails waiting for a passerby to grab onto. Um, other tick species behave a little differently and will actively quest towards people or pets or, or wildlife uh, for a blood meal. Um, so, and, and protecting your pets too because um, they are susceptible to a number of the tick-borne diseases that, that humans are, and then they can also act as transporters of ticks into the home or car or, or for people that like to sleep with their pets, right into their bed. So um, those, those are some of the, the really important things to do to, to prevent. So let's say, you know, you go through all that, all those procedures, you tuck in your, your pants to your socks and you still end up with a tick bite. What are some of the things that you can sort of do, you know, maybe you end up getting a, a tick-borne illness or something like that, like like Lyme disease, how does that sort of affect your life? And what are the next steps to kind of take after that happens to you? So, um, yeah, you're going to go ahead, Tyler. Yeah, yeah I just, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, there's, there's areas in New York where uh, upwards of 50% of the deer ticks carry the pathogen that causes Lyme disease. Oh, gosh. And when you speak to moms over there, they have a whole regiment of prevention, <laughs> personal prevention. Um, but I've heard from them that still it's never 100%. So what they do is they do their daily uh, tick checks and they throw their clothes in the dryer at high heat. And if they find a tick in the shower, um, they have a pair of tweezers. So. It's probably not a good time to run to Walgreens uh, to look for tweezers when you have a tick attached to you. <laughs> I had a friend do that, though. <laughs> because, okay, so what, one yeah. thing, you know, the, the, how long, you know, the, the, it's controversial um, in the field how long it takes for uh, a tick-borne pathogen to be transmitted to the person it's biting. But one thing I believe we all agree on is that the longer the tick is attached, the more at risk you are. For, mm -hmm. for acquiring um, a tick-borne pathogen. So I, the first thing is, is to remove the tick. You, you, you go close to the skin and just pull up. You don't need anything uh, fancy other than just a mechanical uh, pulling of the, of the tick off of your skin. Um, the next thing, uh, now that I know what I know as far as the threat out there and the diversity of the ticks and the tick-borne disease is try to identify, examine your tick and try to identify what kind of tick bit you. Um, and after that, you save it. So you put that tick in a Ziploc bag and you can put it in the freezer until you are able to get, <laughs> get <laughs> sort of a... Um, assess where you are and then uh, I always advocate that you get your tick tested and you can get it because um, it's not always easy to identify the tick there's upwards of you know 90 different species of ticks in the United States and they don't all carry Lyme disease 
Um, so it can be difficult. So when you send your tick off for testing, you'll get a, a species identification, which kind of gives you a key as to what pathogens to look for. Um, and then you can get your tick tested for um, the most common pathogens um, to be worried about. Mm -hmm. And so it, it helps for the next medical decision. Um, consulting a doctor is always recommended. And you can, well. you can send in your tick through technology, correct? Yes, that's what, you know, our lab does that. Um, and it's a, you know, a three-day turnaround. Um, we have a pretty comprehensive panel. Um, and I think through experience, I think it's helped a lot of people. I think people have been misdiagnosed. I think people have not seen a rash when their tick clearly had a pathogen. And so you don't always see a rash. There's not always an acute symptom. Um, I've had mothers uh, with sick children, and I tell them, well, they have this relapsing, you know, your tick had relapsing fever. And they say, well, I thought it was just the flu. So mm -hmm. thank you for telling me. I think we should probably go see our physician. Mm -hmm. um, but if you ever see symptoms, you should see a physician. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, and that to add to Heather, like, I... I didn't know any better when I first started. I, I thought a tick was a tick was a tick. Um, I had no idea the number of species and the number of different pathogens that each species can carry. So knowing what you're bitten by um, can really aid in the discussions with your physician about how to proceed with treatment. Um, doing a tick check um, before you get in the car, after you come home, after you've put your clothes in the dryer, showering daily, those are all things that can help you detect that tick sooner. And, and like Heather said, this, there's uh, some controversy about how long um, it may take for a specific pathogen to be transmitted. Um, the sooner, the better that tick is removed um, and, and getting the care as well. A lot of the illnesses that people may encounter, um, Lyme included, the sooner... Um, treatment begins, the better the outcome. Um, some of the diseases can be incredibly deadly very quickly, um, if not assessed and, and treated properly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's all very important, especially because I definitely, if I had gotten sick, ticks would not have been the first thing to come to my mind. So that is really important to be able to yeah. know all the possibilities out there. Um, do either of you have anything else you'd like to add or get across on the topic? Um, you know, from a personal standpoint, um, the bite of a tick changed our world um, in every aspect of, of life. And so um, just getting across the importance of being aware and using the personal protection and knowing what to do if bitten, like, like Heather said, not, not running to Walgreens when you know you have a tick bite, but being prepared, having the tools and, and the education um, to protect yourselves and your family, your loved ones. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for joining us. That was a lot. I, I didn't even know half the things about ticks and uh, probably should spend more time outside than I'd like to admit. And I've had my fair share of tick bites. So 
Now, now I've got that uh, <laughs> yeah. a little gnawing feeling in the back of my mind. <laughs> I don't know. If we made you squirm. We did our job. Yeah, right. I'm wondering. You're so crazy, JD. <laughs> oh man, that was that was cold <laughs> on air too. Awesome. Well, thank you both so much for coming in. That was awesome thank for you our so listeners. Much for us. Of course, we really appreciate that. That is Monica White and Dr. Heather Zerzlong. 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 There, I was like, I knew I was going to mess that up. <laughs> thank you both so much for coming in. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. We will be taking a quick break before we hop back in with our local news, only here on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. And welcome back to the Rocky Mountain Review. I am one of two news directors here at 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. I am J.D. Layton. I am joined by the other news director. I'm Emily Moshek, and we have local news here for you today. The man who drowned in Horsetooth Reservoir on Monday was officially identified as a Johnston police officer, reports Sadie Swanson of the Coloradan. Officer Yuri Thomas, 32, was swimming at Horsetooth Reservoir with his wife when he reportedly went under and did not come back up. Thomas's wife called 911 immediately. It was estimated that Thomas was underwater for 50 minutes before a diver team pulled him out. The Pooter Fire Authority said Thomas was unresponsive at the time and was taken to the medical center of the Rockies by flight for life. The Larimer County Sheriff's Office announced Monday night that Thomas did not survive. Johnson Police Department Commander Aaron Sanchez said Thomas embodied everything we look for in an officer. The JPD started a GoFundMe to offset the expenses of the unfortunate situation. La Luz Mexican Grill will permanently close in Old Town, Fort Collins, due to a salmonella outbreak. The outbreak affected 31 customers, so the restaurant had temporarily closed on August 21st to fix the issue. They were approved to reopen by the Larimer County Health Department and did so on September 11th, according to the Coloradoan. However, La Luz is facing at least two lawsuits, one of which was filed by the parents of a five-year-old who was hospitalized, according to the Denver Post. Five other people have been hospitalized so far. No deaths have been reported yet, and the outcome of the lawsuits is not finalized, but La Luz has permanently closed in Old Town. Associated Students of Colorado State University, or ASCSU, flew a plane on Tuesday carrying a banner encouraging students to take a survey regarding Fort Collins' current U plus 2 law. Reports Stuart Smith of the Collegian, U plus 2 is a law that prohibits more than three unrelated people from living in a house together. The law has received a lot of backlash from college students hoping to live with four or five people. The survey referenced on the Plains banner was sent out to Fort Collins residents on September 10th asking for their thoughts on U plus 2. The idea for flying the plane started out as a joke made by ASCSU president Tristan Siren who was looking for a creative way to encourage students to take the survey. However, after looking over the prices, they decided to rent a plane from Douglas, uh, Douglas Country, which cost around $2,700 for two flights around Fort Collins. The flight was set for Tuesday due to the high number of people that are often on campus that day. ASCSU has been trying to change U plus 2 to me plus 3 so that four students could live together for the last three years. The plane is set to fly again on Saturday before CSU's football game. 
And that is also the topic of today's roundtable discussion. So if you guys have opinions on it, because we know it's pertinent to CSU students, you should call or text in at 970-491-5278. Once again, that number is 970-491-5278. We'd love to hear what you guys have to say. Indeed. A woman who fell 12 feet into a window well at the Colorado State Museum in Denver was seriously injured and hospitalized, reports Kirk Mitchell of the Denver Post. The Denver Fire Department had to rescue the woman, whose name has not yet been released. Captain Gregory Pixley of the DFD said the woman may have been lifting the metal grate to get into the window well when she dropped it and fell in. Transients in the area often sleep on grates or in window wells to stay warm, but the woman has not been confirmed as a transient. A sweater owned by the injured woman was found in another window well at the museum. And that concludes our local news segment. We'll be taking a quick break before we dive into national news. So keep that dial locked only here on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. And welcome back to the Rocky Mountain Review, only here on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. I am J.D. Layton, one of two news directors here at night at KCSU. I am joined in studio by the other news director. I'm Emily Moshak, and we are going right into our national news today. Columbia Gas and its parent company, NYSource, are being sued after their gas pipelines were linked to multiple fires and explosions in Massachusetts last week according to NPR's Vanessa Romo. The lawsuit asserts that the company left their gas lines in outdated and unsafe conditions, leading to, quote, catastrophic consequences. Lawyer Frank Potosa says he is filing the lawsuit on behalf of the almost 9,000 residents that had to leave their homes starting last Thursday because of the incident. Although the residents have been allowed to return to their homes, Potosa claims the ordeal is still causing citizens a great deal of stress because the exact cause of the problem has not been discovered, and there is no certainty this could not happen again. Many people also no longer have hot water. One person was killed in the incident, while at least two dozen were injured, according to the Associated Press. Senators have determined that the gas levels in the pipes were over 12 times higher than they should have been. The president of Columbia Gas, Stephen Bryant, said the company will donate $10 million to those affected by the explosions. The Washington Post reports that ju- the Justice Department has opened an investigation into Tesla following the chief executive Elon Musk surprise tweet in August that he had secured funding to possibly take the electric car maker private. The investigation stems from a tweet Elon Musk sent out stating, Am considering taking Tesla private, funding secured. The tweet raised eyebrows because it wasn't clear how much groundwork had actually been laid for such a maneuver, and it's illegal for companies and executives to give shareholders misleading information about potentially meaningful corporate events, reports Vox. Vox also reports Tesla's stock price dropped by as much as 7% on Tuesday after the Justice Department's probe was reported. The day of Musk's surprise privatization tweet, Tesla stock closed trading $379 on Tuesday, and it ended the day at $284, a roughly 25% drop in its price. The latest legal issue comes as investors have become increasingly concerned about Musk behavior, reports The Guardian. Musk is also being sued by British diver Vernon Unsworth after Musk falsely accused Unsworth of being a pedo, 
Unsworth helped rescue the young football players trapped in a Thai cave and has criticized Musk's plans to send a miniature submarine to help the effort. Yesterday, four people were shot at an office in Middleton, Wisconsin, according to the Wisconsin State Journal. The gunman was an employee at WTS Paradigm, a software company, where he opened fire, injuring three people before being killed by police. The gunman's identity has been released as 43-year-old Anthony Tong of Madison, reports WEAU, the NBC affiliate for Eau Claire, Wisconsin. It has been determined that he acted alone. A motive has not yet been discovered. Police were quick to the scene, arriving and shooting the gunman in under eight minutes, reports the Chicago Tribune. Middleton Police Chief Chuck Fulke was quoted as saying, I think a lot less people were injured or killed because police officers went in and neutralized the shooter. The victims were taken to University Hospital in Madison, which is a six-mile, ten-minute drive from Middleton, and where the University of Wisconsin is located. One victim was reported as being in critical condition, but was upgraded to serious condition this morning, and the other two are in serious condition, according to WEAU. The shooter was armed with a handgun and multiple magazines and opened fire just before 10.30 a.m. Police were on the scene by 10.34. Middleton is located in south-central Wisconsin, six miles west of Madison and 92 miles west of Milwaukee. In semi-related news, University of Wisconsin-Madison and UW police issued alerts around 1.30 a.m. local time this morning, warning about a man with a gun on the 600 block of State Street, which is right in downtown Madison and close to UW's campus, and that people should avoid the area. A little over an hour later, they followed up with at UW-Madison on Twitter saying, quote, the subject with the gun has left the area. There's no known danger to the UW-Madison campus at this time. A woman in Maryland has shot and killed three people at a drugstore distribution center before ending her own life on Thursday afternoon, reports Ellett McLaughlin of CNN. The woman was a reportedly disgruntled former security guard for the Rite Aid facility. The woman used a handgun and opened fire on employees at the Rite Aid distribution center, striking seven people, killing three of them. Two of the victims remain in critical condition, and the suspect has passed away in custody at the hospital. The shooting marks the third work-related shooting in the U.S. within 24 hours following the Wisconsin shooting as well as the Pennsylvania one. Yes, and this just happened four or five hours ago, Yes, this is very recent. Yes, I know. That is unfortunate. It's sad. Sad stuff. Three in over in like in 24 hours that's a that is a lot where more than one person is is injured or killed when it even says third work related shooting yeah that there's other non-work related shootings going on you know it is unfortunate but as not fun as it is to hear it's important to be informed about these things because i feel that's really one of the only ways that we can kind of work on fixing the problem In other news, Hurricane Florence hit the coast of North Carolina last Friday and has moved northeast, according to the New York Times. Florence's direct contact with the Carolinas is done, but flooding and infrastructure problems still remain. Heavy flooding is expected for rivers throughout North Carolina, especially the Cape Fear River near Fayetteville, according to the National Weather Service. A big problem from this flooding is that hog waste storage is overflowing into floodwaters. North Carolina has a lot of hogs, so this is a common sanitary problem throughout the state, according to Reuters.com. Rescue and recovery crews are working to minimize the damage, and President Trump promises federal support to the affected areas. So far, Florence's death toll is reported as 36 people. 
That is that is also disheartening to hear. It's still, you know, it's still going on, and it's only going to get worse as well as those rivers will continue to swell from all that additional flood water and the hogways to go on. That's just, that's a lot. I know. That is unfortunate, and hurricanes really do affect people for a long time, as we also learned um, with Hurricane Maria and how that has been um, affecting Puerto Rico. Right, and we actually have a account from that of, of a, a, a CSU student describing her uh, family's journey through that hurricane. It's brought to us by our CTV colleagues, so it's good to see them, you know, us working together. But we're going to dive right into that only here on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. And welcome back to the Rocky Mountain Review. I am one of two news directors here at 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. I'm J.D. Layton. I'm joined in studio by... Emily Moshak. The other news director. The other news director. That's me. As well as our local music director. Hi, I'm Haley Justino. As well as our podcast director. Hello, I'm Cheyenne Duba. And we're all here to weigh in on the topic of U plus two, as well as this plane thing. So, so what is the U plus two, just for our thing. listeners who don't know? So U plus two is a law that Fort Collins has where you can only live with two non-related people in a house. So this effectively limits your housing situation to three people, which is in some cases pretty rough. Housing is pretty expensive here in Fort Collins. And I know personally, I would rather live with more people and pay less money than live with less people and pay more money. <laughs> uh, which, you know, seems like a fairly common ideal, but I also understand the logic behind U plus two. You don't want to end up shoveling, you know, 46 dudes in a house because that's just that's just a, a disaster waiting to happen. Think well, of how Fort many... Collins is a very kind of it's weird because we're a college town, but we're also a very family oriented town. Oh, so yeah. that's kind of where it comes from when because a lot of college students do live next to families with children or elderly people. Oh, I feel people. so bad for yeah, right. <laughs> those people. Exactly. So that's kind of the law at hand that we're discussing. And then building on that, ASCSU, that's hard to say, mm-hmm. um, flew a plane with a banner about this, a survey that you can take to weigh in on U plus two. And they spent almost $3,000, <gasps> I think no. $2,700, to fly the plane twice around Fort Collins advertising to take the survey about U plus two. So that's kind of another thing we're going to discuss on whether or not that was an effective use. Yes, that's what I want to talk, to talk about because I don't really have a lot of like expertise or knowledge or experience even with U plus two. I've never had to live with more uh, than one person. Uh, but that, that uh, spending almost $3,000 uh, to fly a plane over something that ASCSU has been trying to work on for years uh just doesn't really feel like an efficient use of that money yeah in my opinion i didn't even see the plane did any of you guys i, I saw the plane i, I did, did. Yeah. okay I did. well I then i guess <laughs> i just live under a rock yeah <laughs> i have a funny story about the it. plane like so it was my birthday when the plane was flying by and i was on like seeing reading the plane backwards my boyfriend and i were like sitting in the flower field of csu or whatever and he's like look bunny like i got you this plane for your birthday it says i love you bunny but it's backwards so you can't, just can't read it now i know that he was lying yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just really you wasn't for my birthday what do you think about you plus two happy birthday 
birthday shy. Thanks. <laughs> Here's a survey. We should spend three thousand dollars flying me. I plane for no. Um, <laughs> flying me. <laughs> um. Well, I definitely don't think that you should be limited to only two other people being your roommates that you're not related to. Like that's honestly kind of ridiculous. Um. Thinking about like couples, even they a lot of times share a room. So if you have like a three bedroom apartment, you could easily have six people living in there. Like yeah, it could get kind of cramped. But if you're all homies, uh, then you're all saving money, and I think that it would work out pretty well. I guess you do have to be worried about the mess that it might create. My parents um, own a couple of houses in Fort Collins, and they rent them out to people, and they just will not rent to college students because of that reason. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that Fort Collins being a college town, you do have to make it friendly to the budgets of college students who are also paying for tuition, which is really expensive. It is so, expensive. Well, even... Yeah. I don't know. At least with my situation, I have. This is. I'm not trying to sound all pretentious, but I have a decently <laughs> like, like I have like four or five close friends, and it would be. This is just kind of a social thing, but it'd kind of be hard to pick if we were going to move into a house. Like, oh my gosh, like, who yeah. gets eliminated? You know, like that that's would be three hard. is like such a small number. Like, I feel like that would be really hard. Totally. Yeah, and and I. So here's, I guess, the real kicker for this whole thing is with the plane. They're only trying to get it to one additional person. They're trying to change it from you plus two to me plus three. What was so, it rise? so that's that's one <laughs> that's one more person. Rise. I wonder how long it your took them to come four. up. Your yeah. plus four. <laughs> yeah, your plus. Four. And then your can be multiple people. So it's like your what? Yeah. Your. So that's like ten people. But yeah, I guess that right. one extra person, like that, would be a step, and it would be yeah. one more person to help with rent. Yeah. So that would be cool. That's true. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. Like I can't back it up statistically, but for some reason in my mind, four people living together seems reasonable, and three. Is less. Like, I don't know why. Yeah. In my head, four makes that a lot better. Even yeah, numbers. It, I, yeah, maybe. And, and I guess for for me, I feel like even four might not be worthwhile. I'm, I'm honestly not really too terribly in favor of the whole thing. I don't really like being told that I have I can't live with, you know, a bunch of people if I wanted to. Um, that, that, like, it sucks because it's, like, expensive to live here and... I don't have tons of money, and I would like to save it in ways that I can. And if that means living on the floor with seven <laughs> other people, I'll do it. Well, By George. Know, most houses here aren't three-bedroom houses. Like most houses have, yeah, I feel like four bedrooms at least. There should mm-hmm. you should have you should be allowed to have as many people like live in there as there are rooms. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it, if yeah, like yeah. there's a five-room house. That's stupid to just have three people living yeah, there. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's like, what are we going to use these other rooms yeah. for? Like storage for our like dogs or something? So if you want to have a lot, live with a lot of people, go find a house with a lot of rooms. And I feel like you should be allowed to do that. Like, don't right. I don't think squishing like six people into a two bedroom apartment is a great idea because that gets messy and probably yeah. inconvenient for parking and all this stuff. But if you have a big house, like fill that house, yeah, <laughs> use that I, space. I agree. I think the problem. And maybe what U plus two is kind of trying to target and not doing so effectively is if there are like 10 frat guys in a tiny three bedroom house. And that I understand that would mm-hmm. get obnoxious. They're going to be loud. They're going to be parking everywhere. Like, yeah, and, I mean, I, college kids throw parties all the time. That's true. Yeah, I guess I agreed. It should just kind of be like a, a sliding like a scale. It shouldn't be like a set. U plus two only for every single building and every single living establishment. Like, if there's more rooms, there should be some leniency on that, Yeah, I feel. Like, I don't know why it's so set. You can only live with two other people that aren't related to you kind of thing. But yeah. um, I don't think it really stops it either because people still live 
with more than three people yeah. in yeah. houses. They just do it under the table. Yeah, dude, going off that too, um, that just is, uh, it makes it... More, uh, more more susceptible to people like not actually following through with their lease because they're not like on the lease and so like people get into situations where like oh my roommate like isn't paying rent but they're not on the lease because we legally can't put them on there and so i feel like it would just be in everyone's interest if they would get rid of the u plus two rule yep yeah and I'm, I'm i'm curious as to like what the city actually says about it i i remember hearing from somewhere and i and this is unsubstantiated and this might just be my brain pulling together <laughs> random bits of uh, information that I've sort of pieced together throughout my years at CSU, but I, I think the main thing is parking. I mm. think that's like one of the biggest reasons, as well as you know, there's the health, uh, like the potential safety and health risk of having so many people together. But like, like you guys said, if you have a five bedroom house, you should have five people living there. It just makes more sense. Um, but like, I think the city's concerned about parking. They don't want like a gazillion parking spots full of all yeah. these college kids parking their SUVs on the road. Yeah. So I see where that's well, coming then from. Where are they going to park their cars? They have to live somewhere. Like I exactly. <laughs> it's like it. It's sort of a not very smart way of dealing with the problem. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I guess there's no because yeah, obviously parking around town is horrible mm -hmm. uh so i can i can see where they're coming from uh yeah uh, I, don't, I don't know what the answer to that one is yeah. a, a big parking garage yeah. i just don't know what the alternative is where where are they thinking that they're parking if they're not parking by the house like they have to live somewhere so it's just like are they trying to like spread out the amount of cars throughout fort collins or what i don't know but guess, underground yeah. parking garage is That's a really a, good idea yeah that would yeah be. just like dig a tunnel although then we'd have to be <laughs> under construction again for like uh, the next 20 years <laughs> you know what the c stands for <laughs> at csu it's construction state university <laughs> oh yes yeah oh, boy, is it? anyway what are you guys' thoughts and opinions on the issue it's definitely pertinent and hits close to home and we'd love to hear what you guys have to say. That number is 970-491-5278. Once again, that number is 970-491-5278. And on that note, I think we're going to take a quick break before we hop into our lifestyle segment with our two very lovely guests. And they're definitely about to talk about a new restaurant. Only here on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. And welcome back to the Rocky Mountain Review. We actually had a call in uh, during our break uh, with somebody who apparently lived next to the lawyer who helped enact U plus two. And she gave us some insight as to how that happened. I guess part of it was a good chunk of frustration from landlords not being able to sort of control the amount of people or the activities going on in the, the, the properties that they owned, which that makes sense. If I owned a house, I'd kind of like to know what's going on. Part of it was people were growing pot in their backyard, which at the time was illegal. There was a lot of garbage because there were so many people. It was almost impossible to find a spot to park. So some of the issues that we sort of touched on, but thank you so much for calling in. We uh, definitely appreciate the feedback from our listeners. Yeah, that's awesome. And on that note, I think we're going to dive right into this lifestyle segment. So um, tell, us, tell us about this place. I wrote something about it. Can I just read it? Definitely. Yeah, go for All it. All right. And so, who, who are you? Oh, I'm Cheyenne Duba, and I'm one of the CSU Asians. So oh, that's, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's why I love poke. Like, I was born in Japan, and, like, sushi is my jam. All right. Born Can you in wait, Japan, is sushi is my jam. Um, what, like, It's like, okay, so it's raw fish. Mm -hmm. You know, like, sashimi? 
Yeah, it's like yeah. the raw fish without the rice, but poke is like a bowl of rice with the raw fish cut up, so you're getting like a lot of bang for your buck. So it's like unrolled sushi. Kind of, kind yes. Like a sushi it's bowl. It's like a sushi. Oh, it's like, okay. Yeah, it's like Qdoba if you have a burrito, but you get a bowl instead. Yes, yeah, I that's, that's so. what it's like. All right, um... Yee's Poke Station recently opened, and I am here for it. They serve traditional seafood poke bowls, as well as chicken, beef, pork, vegan, and vegetarian options. Not feeling bold for, for a bowl? They also serve a variety of crepes, both sweet and savory. Another breakfast food available is Hong Kong-style egg waffles, which can be topped with Nutella or red bean. And to wash everything down, they have a pop and boba tea menu, including pudding and jelly toppings. So I think it sounds really cool, and I haven't tried it yet, but I'm really excited to go there. Yes, and I'm uh, Haley Justino, and I am also a staff member here at KCSU, and I guess another KCSU Asian, <laughs> if we're going with that. And I have been there, and I really, uh, really like all the options. You get a lot of food, even for just a small bowl. I believe I have small, medium, large, and I got a small, and it was a decent amount of food. Lots of toppings, um, lots of different combinations you can make because you choose your rice you choose your um i think there's a couple different options of fish you can choose from and there's so many toppings um so that was really exciting and i have tried um their drinks as well i got a mango slushy with some lychee jelly i actually don't like boba if we're being completely Mm. real i don't Mm. like boba which is the tapioca balls that sometimes come in these drinks but they have boba uh jelly and they also have pudding which i'm I'm looking to try. I want to try that. That sounds so interesting. Yes. Do they just like lump some pudding at the bottom pudding. of the cup and then you just like drink pudding out of a straw? I'm going to guess that. I'm not, I'm not quite sure. So, awesome. so I want to try that. Um, what I will have to say, though, um, as a person who has been a worker in a kind of a fast food line style restaurant, I do think that their... Um, the way that they structure their line could be better. I went opening weekend and it was the line was very, very long. It took a long time to get through because I don't think the way they have structured uh, their, their workflow is very efficient. Uh, one person would start your bowl and they would walk you through the entire process. It wasn't like someone starts your bowl, then the next person does the fish, then the next person does the toppings. It was just one person for one customer. And so the line was very long and it took a very long time to get through. So I'm hoping that they're learning and they're changing as a business because it wasn't a fun uh, experience for for me and it definitely wasn't for the people behind the counter and I feel so bad when I see stressed food workers just because I feel that pain oh yeah Uh, so I'm really hoping that uh, the business can evolve and grow so that their customers are happy their employees are happy because I do think the food is really good and I'm hoping that it stays because I'm always happy for uh, good Asian food in Fort Collins yeah Mm -hmm. so awesome so final verdict Good place to eat. Good place to eat. Needs uh, an assembly line. Yes. They just need to structure things differently. Um, and I think I think they'll be set to go because I think it's really, really good. And I'm really excited. Yay. Well, sweet. Well, I think we are going to dive right into our music segment by our very own Mia Sawaya on 070. Only here on 90.5 Casey Issue for Collins. And welcome back to the Rocky Mountain Review. I am one of two news directors here. I am J.D. Layton. I am joined in studio by... Emily Moshak. And our sports reporter. Tilo Lopez. Hello, Tilo. So what is the sports stitch? Well, since last week, as we, I'm pretty sure we all know, the Rams are coming off a tough loss to Florida. Um, they lost 48-10. to 10. They look to turn, turn things around against uh, Illinois State. I mean, this could be a make-or-break game for the Rams. Their record is sitting at 1-3. and three. 
Illinois State is 2-0, and the Rams are actually a uh, underdog at home against them. So we'll see how they go. that goes. They can't overlook them. In volleyball, they improved their record to 8-4. and four. They beat Portland State but lost to CU 3-1 in the Colorado Classic. They have another home game tonight coming up against Nevada, and that is at 7.30. Since last week, the Rams soccer team... Uh, they won one and lost one. They lost to Gonzaga 2-0 last Thursday. But they did beat SMU 1-0. And in pro news, pro baseball, the Rockies were swept by the Dodgers. And that's a really tough series to drop because that hurts their playoff chances a whole lot. Mm. That is not a great Colorado sports time for us right now, huh? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, at least there was... One win in there, you know? Yeah, that like, is true. Scored one W where, Yay. you know, not hurting all the time. I, know. <laughs> I guess the, the Broncos are doing well. And yeah, that's good. Out. That's good. Yeah, who cares I about know. the Broncos? <laughs> 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 like all of our team, listeners. Right? <laughs> 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 oh, my gosh. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Although, we were kind of the underdog in the Arkansas game, right? Oh, yeah, we were big underdogs. Yeah, so maybe we'll... We'll kind of have that underdog luck uh, we again. Were, we were underdogs against Florida, too, and uh, that stayed it's, true. <laughs> yeah. It's just Sorry. the season of being the underdog, except for when we play Hawaii, and that was not yeah. – no, we're just not yeah, going to talk was, about that. Yeah. That was bad. <laughs> that was not good. Yeah, well, hopefully, fingers crossed, that so we'll, we'll turn it around this weekend. All right, and on that, I think we're going to dive right into everybody's favorite segment. Weather! Weather indeed. You and Don, the meteorological hat. All right. Well, big responsibility here. But yeah, today was still warm around 80 degrees, but a little cooler. And it's going to keep getting cooler on Friday, dropping a whole 10 degrees down to 77 from what it's usually been. Weekend's going to be warm at almost 90. But next week, it's finally going to start to feel like fall with Monday getting rainy, moving down to 75. Tuesday, all the way to 64. And it's going to kind of stay in that mid-60s to low-70s range throughout the week. So it's finally going to start to feel like fall weather and we're going to get a little bit of break for the sun but for all the weekend outside festivities that you want to do it's still going to be in the 70s and 80s so you'll have a nice sunny weekend before we launch into that fall season it's finally here i know i've been waiting I, you know felt it a little bit today i was like "Ooh, it's a little chilly the leaves are starting to fall Ooh, i'm ready for it i know you well know. that's what's weird though is i see leaves all over the ground but i'm still sweating and i'm like <laughs> It looks like fall, but it does not feel like fall. I'm I am ready for it though. I am. I'm ready for it, but I know in two months when it's cold we're and I get... have to walk to class in the snow, I'm gonna be like, Oh my god, I wish it was summer. <laughs> we're gonna get about one nice week of fall and then the snows are gonna come and yep. everybody's just gonna not be happy anymore. But it's not gonna be like nice snow. It's gonna be <laughs> just... like that gross sludge we get. I know. That's I'm only okay here for like a day. Snow up until holiday season like then it's all like cute and cheery and then the second it gets to january i'm like ew like can like, we have bring summer? out the sun yep yeah i just basically i'm i'm hard to please is the moral of the story unsatisfied <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm weather person <laughs> i don't even know that's not a term i don't know what i'm doing it's been a long week it's a, it, it has been a long week but we're glad you spent the end of your week with us here on the rocky mountain reveal and I think it's time we thank our reporters. I'd like to thank Katie Otter as well as Raven Kohler and Mia Sawaya for their fantastic stories as well as Gabe Peterson. 
Tila Lopez, our uh, guest. Monica White and Dr. Heather Zerlong, and of course, Haley Justino and Cheyenne Duba for their Poke Bowl segment and their voices on our U Plus 2 discussion. And we'd also like to thank our caller who called in yeah, to absolutely. talk to us about U Plus 2. We love when all of our callers call in and really enjoy that engagement with our audience. So thank you to her for letting us hear her opinion. We, we promise we're real people and, and we will listen to you. Yes. Yeah. We love to interact with our listeners. And thank you to all of our lovely listeners for tuning in with us here on the Rocky Mountain Review. We'll be back on Tuesday at four. Four Collins.